0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters. May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news...
2: all right, here we go, Wednesday podcast. Boomer has departed. Mike Flingelman, part of the Fleo show, show, uh, has joined the podcast.
1: What's up, Fleegs? What's up, Jerry?
2: Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm here. Um, everything's good. Al's on vacation, and away we go. I saw, before we get into the um, the travel stuff with you that I want to talk about, I saw the, I don't know if it's from front page, but if you go to NewYorkPost.com, the top story right now is President Biden, brushing his hand on the breast of a reporter because oh, <laughs> he was trying to, it looked like wait the story says "shoo a fly off of her, which is a very nice gesture. And it made me think, have you ever had one of those moments where you've done something that was so incredibly innocent that looked
1: so horribly egregious and perverted? Oh, has Dude. anybody not, especially a man has any man, not, I don't, so I don't know, especially in like today's
2: climate. Well, in any climate. I mean, you go back 20 years and you could do something where you would be like, ooh, I probably shouldn't have done that, but mean anything. Right. But I was trying to think of the only thing that comes close to it, and it's not even the same, was I remember it's probably seven years. It was when my older son was, let's see, he was playing district. So he was probably 12, So probably six years ago. And we had a few people over and a conversation about, baseball players uh, patting each other on the ass. And I remember telling the story about Chris Russo, how he liked to pat everybody on the ass in the newsroom. And I remember one of our female friends, she's like, I don't get it. Like, what's the point of just patting someone on the ass? And I remember, well, you just <laughs> completely innocently. And she looked at me like, excuse me? I'm like, no, I'm just, that's what it is. That's probably the closest thing I've ever done to that. But that, he like, brushed her
1: breast. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, th- I do remember one instance specifically where um i was with one this was this was actually here um she used to work here there was like a butt or something like on her backside right. and i pointed it out like obviously not going to shoot away i pointed it out and it was just one of those weird spot like more like middle back right. than like low down and just could not reach it and she was like you know I, it, did i get it i was like nope just like you want to get it i'm like you sure You better make make sure. Yeah, like, are you sure? Can you put that in writing first? (laughs) Let's, you know, we're right here in the control room. Let's go on air, record this. It's on the record. You ain't. We got cameras. You said yes. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that's a a tricky one. So that's it. All right. Anyway, so I thought that was kind of weird. Um, So you, like me, traveled this weekend. I had my issues on Monday. Other than that, everything was
1: fine. I imagine everything was swimmingly for you? For the most part, yes. Especially everything between the plane rides was absolutely fine. Everything, but the plane rides were not. Well, so both of them had weird delays for things I've never been delayed for. And then on the first flight out there, so I was flying out to California. So Mm -hmm. it's a long flight. And on the flight out there, I'm in the aisle seat. My sister and I went out together. We booked late, so we're not sitting together. She's a couple rows behind me on the other aisle. I'm on the left side. She's on the right side. So everything that's happening to me, I find out at the end of the flight, like she saw all of this and just felt bad. And then went and took a nap. So she's like, that's a little bad. (laughs) She didn't feel that bad. Not that bad. I was sitting next to a guy who had maybe the worst plane etiquette, especially middle seat etiquette, of just anybody that I've ever been on a plane with. Okay. You know, he's on the phone as we're about to take off. So the flight attendants come by and they have to tell him, you know, you have to get off the phone. He's like, oh, one minute. They're like, no. now." Now. Right. So he hangs up the phone. And at one point in the middle of the fight, this is only a couple minutes after takeoff, I'm trying to watch a movie, I have Major League queued up on my iPad, like, let's go, get me through this flight. He takes out his phone, and I didn't know you could do this. This is a little bit of a life hack. He was on the Mm Wi-Fi, sending voice memos back and forth, the recorded memos, to whoever he was talking to. Instead of just texting them? Right, so he's also not speaking to them live. But he's speaking into the phone then oh. a couple minutes later he'd get a message back and he would play it and oh, the God. woman in the window seat says to him like kind of polite like oh you know so do you have headphones He go oh no and <laughs> then it? just continues to proceed to listen oh. to everything and at one point I'm waiting like yeah, can, can a flight attendant can somebody flight? walk by oh uh, thankfully he he did stop for you know a couple half hours hour. <laughs> I was already I was not in a great mood because we got delayed but we got on the plane so I closed my eyes do, doze off a little bit. Wake up, and we still haven't moved, so, oh you know, god, n- not thrilled about that. Then when we got into LAX, there wasn't a gate ready for us, so I, another half hour dude, there. Dude, this is
2: happening, like, nonstop
1: with oh, these yeah. gates not being ready. I'll tell my story in a minute, so go ahead. But yeah, so this guy was just the, the whole flight, talking into his phone, getting the message, listening to it out loud. I mean, the woman and I, we kind of looked at each other at one point when he got to the bathroom. That was the other thing. He went up to get to the bathroom about four or five times. Ugh. Oh. I know it's a long flight, but no, it not it's five that times long. Right. long. Also, you're not, you're not not normal. if you're a guy. I you're got up to go to the bathroom Australia once when he was already up. I said, "All right, yeah. let me just go now" because I'm standing up. And when she got up, you know, he is standing up. I think we might sit back down. While she's on the bathroom. There's a line. who goes, oh, "We'll just stand." I was like, "Okay, I guess I guess we'll just stand and wait." We're taking up the aisle. It was it was rough. So
2: I flew from coming home. So my flight to Houston was canceled. Twenty-four hours before we were going, they rebooked us. We ended up on um, on on a, on a what do you call it? A connected flight, which I don't do. I direct. I'm good. I'll fly anywhere direct. Same. I, I hate, don't want to go I up hate and down. Flights. So, but that's what they did. There was nothing we could do about it. So, and I told the story the other day, so I won't bore everybody with it again. But we had the same issue when we finally did get into Houston at nine p.m. instead of when it was supposed to be at uh, maybe it was, uh, more like eight p.m. Actually, as opposed to when it was supposed to be at eleven a.m. No gate. So the pilot, and we were late getting out of Charleston, so the pilot comes on. He apologized when we left that they were late, and then we get there. Hey, we made up a few minutes, and then five minutes later, he comes back on. Sorry, I kind of uh, spoke too soon. He goes, not our fault, but we don't have a gate. Oh, God. So that was a half hour waiting for a gate. Whatever. So forget that. Coming home, though. No. So you tell me what you would have done in this situation. So we board the flight in DFW because we then went to Arlington for a few days. We get in Dallas, and I got lucky enough that I had my wife and two sons next to me in the three, and then I was on the aisle, so I was right next to my wife. Seat next to me was open. Guy's in a window. Young guy. I'd say 30, maybe. Seems like a normal guy. Everything's going fine. We take off. Within 10 minutes of takeoff, the pilot says, should be a smooth flight. We will turn off the seatbelt in a few minutes. But until we do, please stay in your seat. We are going to hit a little bit of turbulence coming up in the next, he said, the next 90 seconds to two minutes, and then we should be good. Please wait for the seatbelt sign to go off. Soon as he turns his microphone off, the guy gets up and goes, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm like, dude. Uh, fine, whatever. I get up. He goes to the bathroom. The way, the the flight attendant comes on immediately. Folks, please stay in your seat, blah, blah, blah. Meantime, he's still in the bathroom. Okay, Comes back. He's got a cup of ice. Okay. It's, he wants to chew on ice. That's fine. Takes his seat. And all of a sudden, starts icing his face. I'm like, uh, that's not normal. So I'm watch- now I'm watching him. Because now I'm like, all right, see something, say something. Seems odd. Seems like he's nervous is what is telling me. But keep in mind, when we got on the plane, it was a 730 flight. It was 115 degrees in Dallas. So the plane hadn't run all night. It was hot. So I'm like, all right, I'm not going to I'm not gonna overreact. The f- plane's hot. Hot air's still coming out. It's cooling down, but it's still warm. My wife's dying for me. Whatever. So I'm like, I'm going to play this cool. I'm just going to watch him. So he's icing his face. He's patting himself. He's icing his face. He's patting himself. I'm like, oh, okay. Seatbelt sign goes off. He gets up again. <laughs> like eight minutes later. Dude, I'm so sorry. I got I out of the bathroom again. I'm like, okay. I get up. There's the bed. Comes back with two cups of ice now. At this point, are you thinking he's not feeling well? So I'm thinking he's either going to blow up the plane or he's sick. So no joke. Right as I put my seatbelt back on when he comes back and I turn to say, are you feeling okay? From over my shoulder, the the flight attendant goes, sir, are you okay? That's three cups of ice and you look like you're sweating. He goes, ma'am. He goes, I am hungover like I have never been, and I feel horrible. I'm like, oh, thank God. Okay, so that's all it is. Good. Now we're fine. Start watching my show on my tablet. Maybe 30 minutes goes by. He goes, you're going to kill me. I'm like, let me guess.
1: He goes, I got to take a crap. I'm like, oh, my God. You should have just asked him to switch. You take the window. He can sit on the aisle. Yeah, but my wife's right
2: there. And that turned out to be the end of it. Whatever he had going through him, out. Thankfully. And then he was fine there.
1: But my, w- would you have said something or would you have waited a little bit like I, I did? I would have waited like you did. Like, And then around that third time, had he gone to the bathroom, when he was in there, I might have like went and grabbed the flight attendant and say, hey, when he comes out, can you ask a question? Seems fair, which they ended up doing anyway. Right. As you like knowing that they were paying attention and you know yeah. they noticed right away. I tell you, you, just when you fly, you have no idea what you're gonna run into. Uh, and I tell you, some of the what the flight attendants have to deal with, I mean, we've all heard the horror stories the last couple of years. Yeah. Even just something so annoying as this same flight, the row in front of us, you know, there were a lot of standby seats, so they're just yeah. putting people in random open seats. The woman who ended up in my row and asking the guy if he had headphones, they first put her a row in front of me. And there were two open seats, one on each side, mm-hmm. both rows in each window seat they had a, someone had a dog and she said to the flight attendant you know hey i'm allergic to dog are there any other standby seats you can put me or switch me with somebody so the flight attendant says no problem we'll find somebody just give me a second and then the woman in the aisle seat like uh, in front to my right says like well can you, you have to move me too my husband's over there we have to sit together and the flight attendant oh. was like no you don't she's like but you're moving her and the flight attendant was just not in the mood for any of it she's like, "Ma'am." She just told me she's allergic to dogs. We're sitting her next to two dogs. You want to sit with your husband? Like that's not the same. No, it's not. And and so it's amazing how some of these people that like this woman thought her. Her pro—it's not even a problem. It was a request. It was a higher priority than this woman who's allergic yeah. next to dog or allergic to dogs, not wanting to sit next to. One. Cheap ass probably didn't want to spend the money on the seat to sit together. They probably right. just took whatever seats they were
2: assigned and then figured, oh, we'll change. We got gonna- just to, like, that drives me crazy. The,
1: the way like her, to- she was so rude to the I loved the way the flight. It was an older woman. Like she seemed like you know there was like if there was like a senior member of the staff, mm-hmm. it was her. She's been around. She shut that down so quickly, it put a smile on my face. The other, and then she disappeared for the whole flight. She didn't notice anything with the guy next to me. Uh, well, she went to the front of the back. Had, I was in maybe the she had first class. Right. The other thing they deal with a lot too,
2: which I, I, this is the other thing, and Al and I talk about this a lot, just in terms of traveling through airports and everything, twofold. One, nothing drives me more crazy than when you're getting close to boarding time and everybody hoards the aisles to
1: try and get in first, Because they've got 17 bags that they're not supposed to have. We had that uh, flying home. First of all, the plane is delayed for a while. Like, um, on the way to the airport, it's delayed. Ended up taking off hours late. They announced at the gate, hey, the reason the plane is delayed is because it's an incoming flight. It just arrived. You guys got to clear the way for the people to get off the plane. And so my sister and I got, okay, we go, we sit down, and nobody else moves. And my sister was like, what is wrong with these people? if you don't move, they're not getting off the plane, which means you're not getting on the plane. It's a, there was
2: one guy so blatantly, so they had this was United, so they had group one and two have their dedicated lines. And I understand them getting online first. That's fine. So the, the guy comes on and says, listen, usually we allow groups one and two to line up. He goes, we're going to start with just group one because the rest of the plane is being cleaned, so it's going to be an extra 10 minutes before we start boarding groups two, three, four, and five. Okay very much like the guy getting up for the bathroom. As soon as he turned the microphone off, six people went up and got online in group two. He just told you to sit the ass down. Right, he just oh, told you you're not getting God. on the
1: plane. Uh, you know, it makes you want... the people Make listen or do they not care? Or they don't care. I think they don't care. Or they care. just heard, oh, there was an announcement. It's probably this, let me get up. Or they just really don't care.
2: I think there's so much of lack of attention... Because everyone's face is in their phones now.
1: And you have headphones and you have on. headphones on. In.
2: Maybe they just heard group two. and They got up in line. That's certainly possible. What's not possible are the people that blame, and I blame the airlines for this, because the airlines should be charging for overhead bins, not for, for stuff underneath the plane. That's what you should charge the premium for. Right, Listen, that's the priority. You want the convenience of putting your stuff up top and then getting off and getting out?
1: We're charging you $75. Right. I was nervous for this flight. We booked late, so we're the last uh, groups getting on. I want my cat. We're going to L.A. I don't want to deal with LAX for the baggage claim after, before, anything, they could lose it. You're right. That's what they should charge That's for. That's what they should charge for. So, And then they deal with
2: people that don't know how to put the bags in the overhead. I mean, they must have made the announcement on the the first flight that took us to Charleston. They must have said four times, folks, we are tight with the overhead baggage can you please make sure you put your suitcase in on its side and all the way to the back? And if you look up,
1: all you see are bags long ways. Right. I've, the diagonal, it's like just lazy. and Because oh, right, they pick it up, the, the front handle, the side handle, they just put it in. Oh. We even saw that on the rental car shuttle. They have all those yeah, you know, know. shelves lined up for bags, and then pe- more people get on, there's no room for the bags because where they, they could fit four or five, there are two or three oh. laid the wrong way. Really is the worst. But... But at the same time, while all of
2: that is annoying, it does fascinate me when everything goes well and you have a good flight, how much fun traveling can be. And I always, I mean, clearly I deal with this with charters with Rutgers where we don't have to deal with the public. It's just your plane, your people. That's phenomenal. But like our flight home, aside from the guy, when when I think about we walked out of the hotel at 535 Sunday morning. In Arlington, Texas, and walked in my front or walked in through the garage in New Jersey at I think it was twelve fifty. Like that's fascinating to me that in seven hours I went sixteen hundred a drive to the airport, boarded a flight, flew in the air for sixteen hundred miles, got my bags, got my car, and it was what seven hours and ten
1: minutes. It is a miracle. Like again, I got delayed both times. This time out, but I've gone to. L.A. or California before without delays, and you're right. You wake up in a hotel. Amazing. You know, and a couple hours they, the plane goes up in the air. Now all of a sudden, there's also you have live TV or movies or all this. Your internet. You know, I'm texting with my wife and people on the ground while I'm in the air, and then you end up across the entire country a few hours late. Now the flights aren't even that bad. Once we're in the air, flying west to east, it's under five and a half hours Uh,
2: west to east california to newark should be 440 right to get across the entire country yeah yeah it's 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 usually six hours 550 to six hours going there but coming is 445
1: i took the red eye back from vegas when all we all went to jj's bachelor party Mm -hmm. in march and april and on the way back it took three hours and 45 minutes to get home
2: yeah well that's even dallas was only coming back from dallas was three hours and two minutes like
1: it's amazing and it really does make you think if People, well, there are some problems beyond airlines control. If people were just better, like you always say, be better. Mm-hmm. These experiences could be just Amazing. incredible, magical every single time you went out.
2: And then if you ever throw into the mix, which I'm sure you have maybe once or twice or a bunch of times, or maybe never, I don't know. If you ever fly first class, it is fun flying. I did it once. I mean,
1: it's just, it's the greatest thing. I I don't do it all the time, but I've done it enough. And looking at it now, when you walk through the first class, what they have now, like here's your own pod, here's a bed, lay down. And I don't
2: mean, so I will pick my spots. Like the planes, to the plane we had initially going to Houston and then what we ended up on and then the plane coming back from DFW, neither were the big giant planes with the great first classes. They were very basic. I'm not spending the extra money on that. But, like, when I saw going to Phoenix, when me and Al booked, I saw we were on the big planes with the huge pods, and I saw the upgrade was only $415. Now, I know that's a lot of money, but it was flying in luxury. for And the, remember, the radio station was picking up the initial cost of the flight, so all
1: I had to do was pick up the 415 What a great experience. So I would much think that's right. especially again for a flight that is that that's probably Phoenix yeah. probably four and a half five hours. Yeah,
2: probably four. Yeah, maybe four and a half. Right, hours. like I
1: wouldn't do that to fly to Florida, but for f- flying probably across not. the country, yeah,
2: well, why not? I, I would
1: say anything over three and a half hours. If I can do it, I think I'm going to do. It. I have a great picture the of. The problem is once you do that, I feel like if I had that, I had regular first class the time I did it. So a lot of you know extra room, the yeah. food, everything. If I had that pod and the bed and could just go to sure. sleep and lay down. It would be so hard to go back to coach after that. It
2: is, that. but you know what? If as long as you're you have the proper mindset of doing it. like I did probably wasn't the smartest thing, but my kids are pretty good. So when we went to Arizona like 5 years ago, I did upgrade us to first class and I have a great picture of my son who at the time I guess was 7 or 8. I have a picture of him in the first class seat watching a movie, headsets
1: on, cutting steak. <laughs> the thing but that's the only time he's ever and done it. At the time, he's probably got the seatbelt on tight because he's taken up like, you know, 50% uh, of the was, available seat space. He was having a blast. It was tremendous. But no, he doesn't even think about it. I mean, he always like, is this first class? I'm like, nope, not right. this time, pal. Yeah, no, kids are easier. When you're when you're an yes. adult, it's, you know, you think back, especially again, if I had recently flown first class and then I'm sitting next to this guy in the middle, who also, by the way, I forgot this part, he was kind of leaning on oh, me for course. a lot of Probably fight. using the armrest. And rest. he was going back and forth between leaning oh. on me and leaning on the woman. So if I go from first class to that, it's like, get oh, me out horrible. of this Have you ever had the arm battle?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. all the time. I, I love when people just claim that, and then I stick my arm right next yeah. to them. We're sharing it. Right. Even if I don't want it, that just annoys me that they just decide it's theirs. They just, right. They just think Ugh. this is this belongs to me. It's where there should be
1: two. I know the, t- the space is tight. You can fit another three-inch bar. Movie theaters have done that now. You have to. There's two. And again, make them kind of small, but make it a clear. That's yours. This is yours, right?
2: I completely agree.
1: So, all right. So, not not too bad with the travel. No, no, no. We got on the way back. They announced that there was something wrong with the engine. That's why it was so hot on the plane. Might not be able to. Might have to deplane. And five minutes later, all right, we're good to go. Taking off in two minutes. We'll be in New Jersey in four and a half hours. Okay.
2: I I ever tell you the Rutgers story when you you mentioned the too hot on the plane? If I did, just stop me. I don't need to tell it again. Coming my first, no, my second year with Rutgers. So I was used to the charters at this point, and it was before they made the NCAA tournament, so they were still chartering. Nice planes, but they were small. It was the two seats and one from United, and, you know, the players would get, each player would get the two seats themselves, and, you know, me and the rest of the media people within within the program would get the one seat, which was totally fine. So we're on the plane, and it's it's small, so it's tight, but they're usually very cool, and the, the temperature's awesome. We're mid-flight back from, I think we were coming back from Minnesota. Uh, it might have been Ohio State, but whatever. And all of a sudden, get got a little warm on the plane. And then I, I go to the thing. As, as I go to reach for the air, I notice several people reaching for the air. And the air coming out, it's warm. It ain't cold. It ain't cool. It ain't room temperature. It's warm. And within two minutes, the plane is downright hot. And all of a sudden, one of the guys who's in one of the players in front of me, all I hear is, yo, what the F with, the, with this uh, temperature to where you could see there was, I don't want to say panic. That's not what it was. But there was concern in one of the flight attendants' eyes. And now you're like, uh-oh, like, what like is happening? Is the plane on fire? Like, what's going on? They figured it out very quickly. One of the flight attendants or one of the players went, went back to the bathroom. Their shoulder hit the thermostat and jacked it to
1: 90 or 85, or something like that. That's insane. No that was all the technology. And, and I know you said it's you a know, smaller plane, maybe a little bit older. This was an older Th- that's plane. That's even possible yeah. that the thermostat could be in a place yeah. where it's accessible. And well, it like was that. in the
2: back by the galley where the bathrooms are. So that's why we, we assume it was a flight attendant where they hit it, their shoulder, it was either a button or I don't know. And they came on, they apologized like crazy. They couldn't have been nicer. And it didn't take that long for them to figure it out. But there was that like, 60 seconds to 90 seconds where you're thinking holy crap this like might be it like right. something's wrong here but that was crazy scary that was scary so anyway i guess we're done yeah i guess that's it um tomorrow you're back with
1: zoo in the Morning. zoo will do the podcast tomorrow CeeLo on the on the warm up Fleelo. Zoo, I think, is doing the podcast, right. which is great, because I, I have to go to the Met game tonight. Not well, good looking forward to that at all. Okay. Oh, so Zoo's doing the warm-up show tomorrow? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm doing the warm-up with CeeLo. Okay. Zoo's doing the podcast. Got it. I'll be focused Met on making tonight? it home to pass out for the rest of Thursday. I to- oh, I got you. I understand. All right,
2: we'll enjoy the Met game tonight. Uh, what else? I guess that's it. You do the Sia thing, and then we will be back tomorrow. Warm-up show with uh, Flelo coming up next. See y'all? Mm, could be better.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: good morning campers Alan, jerry don't worry it's only an hour long
0: and most days it doesn't suck oh it never sucks we make sure of that good morning everybody what's up happy wednesday you got Fleelo on the fan. Here we go. Crystal Preste, Mike Fliegelman with you on the warm-up show. You'll have Boomer and Jerry Recco along next hour on a Wednesday morning. And I have Mike Fliegelman here with me. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it off to him right out of the gate here because I'm gonna be quite honest with everybody. Yes, I have HBO. I also have young kids. And my seven-year-old, after his first football scrimmage last night, when I figured I'd put him in bed and he would pass out right away, could not fall asleep. So I ended up having to lay down with him in his bed after 10 o'clock. The fact that Hard Knocks is on at 10 at night instead of 8 or 9 is a whole other story. So basically what I'm trying to say is I have not seen the full episode. I know Flegelman got up early in the wee hours to watch it before he came to work. So I will say to Mike Fliegelman, give me your review.
1: Okay, Ceelo, I will say this. As a Jets fan, I loved it. I love all the hype. We talked about it yesterday. I love the excitement. I love all the extra attention with Aaron Rodgers, seeing Robert Saleh's speech. But as Jerry talked about yesterday, having already seen One Jets Drive, and I went home, I watched that first. Then I watched Hard Knocks. I know the consensus is going the other way. Yeah, that you guys was, are
0: definitely in the, definitely is in the minority here. This unbelievable
1: episode of Hard Knocks. You know, it's one of the, the greats. You put it up there with some of the legendary seasons of the past. Mm-hmm. I thought One Jets Drive was better. And I thought that if I had not been a Jets fan, this episode of Hard Knocks, would have put me right back to sleep.
0: Okay, well that uh, that's a fair point, and that I don't have a grasp of because the folks that I'm seeing commented on it for the most part are Jet fans or people who are all fired up and excited about the Aaron Rodgers ankle. So obviously, if you strip that away, it's a different feel. But that then again, that's the whole point. If Aaron Rodgers is not on the Jets, they are not doing hard knocks. Oh, of course this year.
1: not. And so that's no buzz that's around that. Yeah, nobody it to cares. City. But you know, it's funny because <laughs> you have it even in, in hard knocks, they do it like their little feature, the part with Zach Wilson and the no look passes. It. It's like, all right, uh, uh, no, Jets fans don't even right. want to sit. Nobody Get cares us back about Zach to Aaron Wilson. Rogers. Put yeah. Aaron Rodgers back on the screen. Yeah. I thought there would be more kind of highlighting some of the other personalities. Like we know what a character Michael Clemens is. Mm-hmm. You barely saw anything with him. They kind of barely scratched the surface with other guys. Quinn and Williams saw Garrett Wilson. They're in it, but it really leans heavily into – and I get this for the first episode. I, that's where Rogers you, you got to go, and,
0: and at least for episode one.
1: And I understand that, but I would just would have thought, man, 52 minutes. You couldn't give me a little bit – like there's one good solace speech where he right said – Right out of the gate, right? Yeah, and he said, you know, the – The, the, the crows the stuff, and the, the, crow, and eagle, the eagle, Yeah, and well, eagle, he hinted at and, he and that. He gave us that with, the, Jess, sh- with right. the Sean
0: Payton thing, whatever right, it was, right. a week and a half and ago And they or did so. do that
1: later in the episode with Hackett and the Sean Payton stuff. But I don't know. I guess I just thought from – and not having the highest bar fit, it's, it's going to be impossible to exceed when the Jets were on in the 2010 with Rex Ryan. The coach doesn't have that kind of personality. That team was just a different feel. They were already coming off of a successful season right. instead of just now, hey, here's this new guy thrown in and you have the expectations now. I don't know. I just thought the episode was a little bit lacking. And again, hadn't I had I not been so invested in this team— which I am, especially you know, with the Mets out of it, New York baseball is boring as anything right sure. now. All my hopes and dreams are being placed into this New York Jets football team. I, I thought the episode could have could have done a lot. All more. right, so
0: what is it that you so you watched both basically on the same day? You yes. you you squeezed in some sleep in between. So you basically sandwiched your sleep time yeah, just, with these just a two, little bit of sleep. with these two with these two episodes. So what was it you liked about the in house versus the hard knocks episode?
1: So one jets drive, one when they followed Aaron Rodgers to the golf Lake outing view. Tahoe. In, yeah. You know, there's uh they're talking to celebrities, you know, there's Rob Riggle there, there's other guys. Uh the stuff with Brian Baumgartner who played Kevin on the office, I thought was really funny. And their little feature was on Quinton Williams and him signing his contract mm-hmm. and they talked to his wife and you know they were Quinton talking about, you know, how the why is there for him now because he has a family and taking care of his kid and I, I thought that all clicked a little bit more for me than the sauce graduation stuff. Not that it was bad, but it seemed like again, it was too short. It was, you know, not he shouldn't have as much screen time or the equal amount as the Zach Wilson no-look pass stuff. It should be, yes, Rodgers is one, then Sauce, and then, yeah, Zach Wilson also exists. Nobody cares. It just it felt like not enough Sauce Gardner and talking about his graduation in that moment. I wanted to see more with Sauce and Wilson. Again, the other guys on the Jets, okay. and I thought one Jets drive because of highlighting Quinn and Williams – I thought they did that a little bit better.
0: So my guess is here just in the early going this might be a situation where sometimes you know people that like music and they like a particular artist or a band and maybe they feel like hey the top the hits that everyone listens to on the radio I you know that's I'm above that or I'm beyond that I'm looking for the deep tracks like you probably do with Taylor Swift not to circle back to Taylor Swift again. So maybe this is a situation where like the real die hard Jet fan who lives and dies with everything about the team and is going to go through the entire depth chart? Knows everybody in camp beyond the maybe fifty-three guys they expect to make the team, and you know about the undrafted rookies and their backstories and all that. It looks like you're you probably prefer one Jets drive because it really gets into like the meat and potatoes rather than just the flashy
1: fancy stuff at the very top of the list. Would that be fair to say? I think that's definitely fair and a big part of it. But I, you know, we remember hard knocks for it a lot of times. You know, kind of showcasing players even at the bottom of the roster. Sure, they the track Cinderella, it? unheralded player. Right. We know we're player. not going to get to see the scenes where they maybe get cut at the end. Yeah, they do it a little bit with Chaz Surratt, the linebacker, at the end, where Sala really is pumping him up during the game. He seems to be like a huge fan Talk of the about guy. How much
0: he loves him. He's so fast. Right. I, I saw but, the quote but about that. that yeah. Like that's
1: kind of it. It's just that one guy at the end. And I get it. How the focus has to be Rogers, Rogers, Rogers. Like the stuff with him meeting Leev Schreiber and going up to everybody. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, seriously. Everybody on the team, including Salah, including Hackett. Like, have you talked to? Have yeah. you met Leev yet? If, he loves voice him of God, as much as you love Switch. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, He's going, and, and it was cool to see him. You know, be that much of a fan. It was awesome to see. You know, Leev Schreiber has been voicing the show that we all love for over a decade. Right. And now he's on camera for the first time, so on the show. But it's not like we've no, it's on, not like right. nobody knows no, what Liev Schreiber looks like. On.
0: Anyone that watched Ray Donovan or other, right? Other movies. But there were, yeah.
1: he even talked about it. Like he said, you know, his mom didn't even recognize. You know, it didn't sound like him on <laughs> that show. People, I don't know how people always, you know, put it together. Like, all oh, right, that's obviously the voice of Liev Schreiber uh, narrating Hard Knocks. But I thought that stuff was very fun. Again, it was a good episode. I don't want to rip it. It wasn't like, bad. Good, not great. <laughs> I just thought One Jet's Drive was better. And I'll say this. It, it has me excited for what they can do building on going to, you know, yeah, they're classic tropes with hard knocks of following these kind of same storylines, but I want to get into that. I want an episode where they spend a lot of time with Michael Clemens, who seems just like a really funny kind of, you know, unhinged sort yeah. of guy. Quinnen Williams is very funny, has that kind of personality, and you got to see it in One Jet's Drive. Hard Knocks, I'm sure, will get there. They just didn't in episode one. Well, what's interesting and
0: what works nicely for the Jet fan, obviously, is that you have both on back-to-back nights. So, like, I'm sure there'll be some crossover on themes and footage or storylines, but, like, those things that you – if it was just hard knocks that you might be looking for, chances are you're probably going to get that with One Jet drive, right? Because they understand that they want to stand out. The hard knocks people want to stand out. There might be even a little bit of collaboration going on behind the scenes. Like, I understand there's separate productions and the jet One Jet drive thing was going to happen no matter what, separate of the hard knocks stuff. But, like – in a, in an off season and a summer now in a training camp where there is so much anticipation and excitement and expectation, you get double the amount of content. So you, it's like they're throwing red meat at oh, you listen, between if, now if and the season opener. If you're a Jets opener.
1: fan, this is an ideal time. I, yes, there's expectations, and everybody wants to tell you. and I had Gallo coming in yesterday, like, oh, you know, you ready? You know, he's yeah. calling Rogers a bum. Like, listen, everybody can have their fun. You can hate on the Jets all you want. If you're a Jets fan, how are you not loving every single second of this right now? All the eyes are on this football team. There's reasons to be optimistic. There's personalities. And like you're saying, there's not just one, but two television programs documenting your team. One's going to be all through training camp, and then one is going to continue on through the entire regular season and hopefully beyond that. This is an awesome time to be a Jets fan.
0: It is. And while all that is true and there's really nothing bad you can say just yet, you have to be a little bit concerned that even last night, not that I saw the full episode, but seeing the reaction to it, like Pat McAfee right away, oh, I'm watching Hard Knocks. The Jets are winning the Super Bowl, like that's even some of the national types, the reporters, people that follow the game, cover the game, meet. Like it seems like everyone, for the most part, every, I mean, look, there's always exceptions, but let's call it, you know, somewhere like 90 to 95 percent people are going all in. And generally, when that happens, put aside. Jet history and all the things that have gone wrong and same old Jets and all that. Just in general, usually the team that's at the top preseason that everyone expects, something goes wrong. It doesn't work
1: out. Well, it's even more than that. To me, the the concern is how the coaching staff, and it seems to be something they are very mindful of and trying to handle with the players of not letting it get to their heads. Salah was kind of emphasizing all that in his the now what speech, you know, mm-hmm. what are you gonna do next? You know, you're done with your rep, you're done lifting. What are you gonna do now to get yourself to be the best? So I think they know that, all right, if if we kinda let this happen, this could bleed into this locker room and they'll start to get full of themselves before having actually accomplished anything yet. The other thing that I think will help there is Roger seems hungry. All this attention, all of this Optimism exists because of Aaron Rodgers and if he was just sort of buying into it I think you could see that have a really terrible effect on the entire locker room but Aaron Rodgers seems as hungry as motivated as anybody else is putting in all that extra work so they're gonna follow the example of their leader and right now Aaron Rodgers is setting every tone that he needs There's
0: to. There's no, I mean, listen, I don't think there is a negative bad thing you could say about him since he's come aboard. He's been all in, was there for the whole off-season training program, you know, OTAs. I know they ended up bailing on minicamp and, and you know, basically canceling that. But um, yeah, I mean, refreshed, all in, motivated, whatever word you want to use, and embracing all of it—not just as far as what he has to do on the field, but you kind of you started to get a feel already for these relationships that he's kind of cultivating. Zach Wilson included, right on down through the roster and getting to know everybody. Hey, go spend some time with your teammates. All that is great, and he's doing everything he could possibly do right now. But what I am really curious to see, and we're not going to get this until we get to the regular season, is when that adversity hits when the offense potentially doesn't get off to a great start or they're not clicking or there's an injury or, hey, this real tough schedule that they're playing kind of smacks them in the face right out of the gate, then I want to see how he's going to react and how he's going to handle it because the last few years, you know, it seems like that's where things kind of went wrong with the Packers in Green Bay. Now, totally different situation. Understand, a lot of history there, you know, burnout, staleness. They didn't address his weapons, all those things. But you know that this it's not going to be just a smooth sailing all the way through the regular season and everything's going to go right. So that's the part I'm very curious to see how they handle that when that strikes.
1: Oh, absolutely. And listen, knowing just the way the National Football League works, again, having nothing to do with all of them being the Jets and all that stuff, it's, something is going to happen within the first couple of weeks. No matter who you are, whether it's an injury, a strike, something is going to happen within those first couple of weeks. And how do you handle it? The reason I'm optimistic about Rodgers... Un- Top of the player he is on the field. I've been a longtime defender of just kind of the him versus the Packers aspect of who was wrong for why they didn't succeed in Green Bay and always just about always siding with Aaron Rodgers. You know, hey, this uh, the GM. Yeah, I I compare them to the arrogance that I said the Yankees have where the GM in the front office yeah. just kind of think, you know, we're so good at this, watch us, everything's just gonna fall into place. You know, we're such geniuses here. You're not a Brian Gutekunst fan? <laughs> no. Like the last <laughs> year when they said to Aaron Rodgers, Hey, go figure this out with no wide receivers, or at least no experienced wide receivers. Yeah, they had you they know, had I, some
0: young I, I would year. imagine
1: part of the reason that Christian Watson came on so well in the second half and the Packers started winning a bunch of games is that The quarterback, number 12 at the time, helped him get to where he needed to be. So coming in with this group, I do have a lot of optimism about what the Jets can be, what the offense can be. And I love that all this attention is going to the offense. There's a scene in Hard Knocks where Jeff Ulbrich is watching film with the defensive guys. And at one point, he's just illustrating like that. Look at this throw across the field, back shoulder throw there might be only one person on the planet who can make that throw. Now, I would argue that there's two now because Mahomes is up there, but he's saying, that's our quarterback. Even the defense is watching it and realizing, like, this is a different team. The the defensive guys that last year had to force a three and out and then go right back on the field a couple of plays later because Zach Wilson went (laughs) backwards. Or or whoever was playing quarterback. Or turned the ball over. That they now know that they have, bare minimum, a competent quarterback who could be, much, much more, and in his career has been much more, just seeing how this whole team is feeding off of that energy right now. Again, it has to make you feel giddy. It has to make you feel goosebumps if you're a Jets fan, even though then that every couple of scenes in one Jets drive or hard knocks, you got to watch preseason footage, and it's Zach Wilson again, a quarterback. Going to be a lot of that. Zach Wilson on the practice field throwing no-look passes. Hey, Zach, work on the passes where – you actually are looking at the uh, field first. I'm sure is he is. the guy is. who would look into the defense, yeah. see a guy on the other team, and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to throw it to him. I'm
0: sure he is, but they're the, the sexy ones that they want to show you in the footage that they've stripped down from, you know, hours and hours oh, and know, hours listen, my, of My thing here. is not
1: blame, but that, my thing is, you know, <laughs> Zach Wilson, you're. Fig- figure the other stuff I, out but uh, well, I'm the saying. I'm hands. sure
0: he is, but they're mixing in a little bit of everything. Uh, but what you said there, and before we hit our first break, real quick here. So, as Rodgers and the offense is getting all the attention, and Garrett Wilson, and on the defensive side, Sauce Gardner and Quinn and like we know who the headline guys are. Who's the guy flying under the radar that you think is going to surprise people and make a big impact this season? If, if well, there is the, one. There,
1: yeah, well, DJ Reed. I mean, okay. I don't I don't you saw him in the first episode. I don't think they mentioned him. This is a guy who last year was a top 10, 15 cornerback in the entire sauce. NFL. He gets overlooked yeah. because of sauce. And he's not going to have the drama. You know, back last time the Jets had two star cornerbacks. One of them was an in camp, and the other one had uh, you know, the opportunity to name all of his kids on Hard Knocks, and it didn't go particularly <laughs> ah. well. So DJ Reed's not going to have a moment quite like that, but he is that player that you know, when if the Jets are winning games, yes, yeah, Sauce is going to get all the attention. And D.J. Reed seems okay with that because he gets the love from his teammates and his coaches. But he's probably the guy. And even more than that, the defense as a whole. Right now, there's so much focus and attention on Rodgers. People are forgetting that last year, this Jets defense was top five. And they were on the field the second most of any team in the NFL. This is a young defense, a hungry defense. That improved its defensive line depth even more. You have Carl Lawson the second year after the injury. This defense Sauce Gardner now in year two. There's a good moment with uh, you might have seen this going around on Twitter where Rogers is talking to Hall Rivas, of fame, yeah, and then sauce, sauce is right beside. Yeah. He gives him the little head nod and look over like, hey, like you, maybe this is you next.
0: Yeah, and Sauce is talking about playing until he's forty. Right.
1: Yeah, I did see that. Yeah,
0: you mentioned D J Reed. He was one of the guys watching last night and he tweeted out this hard knocks first episode is hard with the eyeball. So he's into it. Everyone's into it. Everyone's all locked in and fully engaged. You got people declaring Super Bowl that aren't even Jet fans. So that's where we stand with uh, episode one of both One Jet's Drive and Hard Knocks in the books. We're off and running on a Wednesday morning with the warm-up show. You got Fleelo here until the top. Boomer and Jerry then. We're coming right back on the fan.
1: When this happened, you talked about
2: it on the fan. Farve calling signal. Play fake. Rolls right. Oh. And he gets sacked by Michael Strahan. And Farb ran right into him. It almost looked like it was a designed play. you got to be kidding. They're buddies. Strahan's got the record. Farve kneeling over, talking to him. He faked the handoff, rolled right, and then just slid down oh, and counter.
1: New York sports happens. Talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the Free Odyssey app. Welcome back
0: to the warm up show. You got Fleelo, LaPresti, and Fliegelman hanging out to the top of the hour. Boomer and Jerry along then on a Wednesday morning. So we kicked it off with a little hard knocks, a little Jets football. So we'll go the other way here, stick with the NFL. So on one end, you've got the Jets all positive, Aaron Rodgers, everybody's all in. Great stuff. And then how about what's going on with the Washington Commanders? In a summer, by the way, where it was positive, new ownership comes in, Dan Snyder out. All of a sudden, the attendance is up at training camp. Fans are excited. They're into it. There's a lot of positivity, positive vibes surrounding that franchise. Well, of course, they brought in Eric Bieniemy as their offensive coordinator this offseason. And he was going to kind of, you know, retool the offense and turn things around. You got a young quarterback in Sam Howell. Bieniemy obviously brings the resume and the track record from Kansas City. All those good things. Well, some of the quotes coming out of uh, the D.C. area yesterday, wherever the heck they do there, I think it's Northern Virginia, do their, their camp. Um, little eyebrow-raising, I would say, and it kind of began with Ron Rivera talking about how some players have already expressed concern over the intensity and have maybe a little too hard on the players. And then he, of course, came out later in the day and kind of, hey, that's who I am. You know, I'm going to be their biggest critic, but their biggest fan as well. And you just wonder... How that situation is going to play out as they move forward here, where yes, he's been an offensive coordinator, but we all know under the Andy Reid umbrella, this is really his first chance to do it on his own in the spotlight. And you've already got some rumblings coming out of Washington.
1: Well, what I would love to know is how different what he's doing now with Washington is from how things were run in Kansas City. I mean, that's a guy coming from, yes, again, he was not fully in charge of that offense. He had the title, but that's, I mean, that's Andy Reid's offense, his system. Yeah, how differently is he running things right now? Because if it's similar, and Chiefs players did come out and defend the enemy and say to almost the guys in the commanders, like, hey, you know, it's tough, but put in the work. You know, he's got your back. He's your guy. He's going to get you to where you need to be. Is this the enemy maybe going a little too far in his first chance to, you know, run an offense? or? Are these just kind of soft commanders players that aren't used to being coached? Where, right yeah. where they shouldn't be. Maybe they've just been let off a little too easy in the last couple of years. And what they have is a guy who is coming off of a Super Bowl victory, has another one in the last few years, and this is a guy who's actually won, telling you, "Hey, this is how you should do things." Coming from an offense with Mahomes and Tyree Kill used to be there, and and Kelsey, and all the weapons that they've had and they've developed. I you know I, I'm sure the truth lies somewhere in the middle, but Agreed, right now, yeah. my gut leans to tell me that this commanders team a little bit soft
0: I would agree now on the defensive side they've got Jack Del Rio there who I would say is probably a guy that gets after his players a little bit now the point Ron Rivera made yesterday was he's like you know Jack has a way of doing things but I think he also has figured out how to learn the players and kind of take the alternate route to get to them and the point he was making was that maybe BNMB doesn't quite have that experience yet but I mean it's not like he's brand new to doing this, and it is now his show. Now you want to say, okay, this is how we did it in Kansas City. That's all well and good. We'd all agree that commanders don't have the type of personnel that the Chiefs do. So they feel like there's got to be probably, like you said, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. There's got to be uh, probably a little bit of a compromise there. So I'm curious to see because, remember, this is a guy that people have felt for years they couldn't quite understand why he wasn't getting head coaching opportunities. He was getting the interviews and then was ultimately being passed over. And he just wondered personality-wise, for whatever reason, not to say he's wrong. Like, I always, honestly, when I was playing, I responded better to a coach that got after you a little bit. And I'm dealing with that with my son right now, age of seven, playing football for the first time. And he's not used to, you know, loud, not even want to say criticism, but loud, tough coaching, a little tough love. So, and in this day and age, with the way kids are being raised and growing up and the college experience now, and the way the NFL is, is treating players and handling things now. Boomer's alluded to this much different than the way he used to do things. enemy has that old school feel, and it seems like right out of the gate here, it's maybe rubbing some guys the wrong way.
1: Yeah, but for all those reasons you just listed, it's why I'm leaning towards siding with. Yeah, I hey, agree. is not doing yeah. anything unfair here. These players need to grow up. Like Boomer talked about how different the training camp used to be with the two a days, and now, you know, I wonder with how the NFL runs now is there really anything any coach can do that is actually pushing any of these players too hard or too far? And my gut would say no, especially when you do have a head coach there Ron Rivera who's been there for so many years and he had the experience with the Panthers and even Del Rio. He's probably off to the side with the defense, but they probably have a good enough sense of what's going on with the A lot of experience on If that anything step. was so bad, somebody probably would have nipped it in the bud by now. So my gut tells me, yeah, you know what? These Commanders players, if you're looking at that roster and saying, hey, you know what, there's a lot of talent there if they put it together. Not that they could threaten to win the NFC East, but they're not a pushover. This is a team that was only a game and a half behind the Giants last year. Like they, and They were right with them in two games. They were competitive. But if you're wondering, ah, well, are they maybe able to take that jump? They have a lot of talent even without the quarterback— This story right now, with this being their mentality, would make me think, no, they can't. They're not going to be good enough or tough enough to get past the Giants, Cowboys, or Eagles, all three teams who are clearly better. It seems like this team doesn't even have that extra something inside of themselves to compete with those teams and this
0: is that fine line where you know we love to criticize all these coaches they never say anything they're so calculated and here's Ron Rivera giving you an honest answer yesterday where he essentially says yeah I mean our offensive coordinator's not exactly connecting with some of these guys right now uh and I just you know experienced coach experienced staff obviously they've gone through a ton of off the field stuff and finally they've kind of Pushed beyond that, and and now here you go. Basically, less than two weeks after the new ownership, can breath of fresh air. Everything's all well and good. Positivity upside. Not to say that it was it was negative and pessimistic yesterday. Like I think the quotes probably read worse than they sound, and we'll play them later on. You hear from Rivera and Eric Bienemi as well uh, once we get started with Boomer and Jerry. Um, but we just you know we love we. W- we're waiting for somebody to say something, and then as soon as they do, it's like, oh, well, what they got problems there. We're going to criticize them. We're going to talk about it here. We're going to debate. We're going to discuss. We're going to analyze. So you can understand why these guys don't ever want to say anything. Well, and
1: listen, we always also like are hankering for that old-school mentality. Those, mm-hmm. You know, the, the guys who are a little tougher on the players, we hate how now they have to kind of or feel like they need to be their best friend. It's something that right out of the gate, day one, week one, Brian Dayball, it looked like he found that perfect balance when he's talking to Daniel Jones on the sideline in Tennessee, it's something Jets fans have been critical of Robert Solov. I know Joe Beningo being a, a main, you know, part of this saying yeah, too that nice a guy. Is probably too nice. He wants to be their buddy. You do have to find the right middle ground if you're a coach. And right now, it seems like the enemy is not doing that. He wants to be too much, you know, hard nosed coach, not enough friend. Like there is not hand holding or coddling, but you have to you have to make the player think that you're on his side. And ultimately, as a coach, you should be on. His side to an extent of you guys want to go out there and win together, but yeah, this modern generation of players, especially the ones coming fresh out of college, that Commanders team is a young team. These are a lot of guys who are twenty-two to twenty-five years old. A lot of them are born in the two thousands. As scary as that is to think, you do have to almost convince them that you're their friend before you start teaching them. It's not right. It's not fair to be the way to to get through reality. And get if you want to be a successful coach now. It's the garbage you have to put up with.
0: This is one of the quotes, which we'll play a little bit later on. This is from the I'm always going to be loud, always going to be vocal, always going to demand from my leaders. If I ain't doing my job, my ass gets fired. It's my job and my responsibility to
1: make sure I'm getting our guys to do what I'm expecting them to do. So You wonder how much of that is because they don't have a clear-cut quarterback and one of the guys in the running, the guy we expect to get the job, is young. Because when you say leaders, the quarterback is expected to be one of those offensive leaders. And because they don't have the veteran running the ship, I wonder if that makes his entire approach a little bit tougher. And
0: they've got Jacoby Brissett there who, you know, we've seen what he is, a guy that can certainly step in and start games and do a decent job, but not a guy you're probably going to build with or roll with for an entire season unless there's an injury or some sort of circumstance And seemingly not the guy they want to roll with.
1: They're... Yeah, no, they yeah, they right. drafted they said Sam, Sam Howell was going to be the quarterback Rivera did in the offseason. Yeah. They want him to run away with this job.
0: I mean, I know it's a 5th round pick, but they did invest a pick in him and yeah, that's that's always what you're hoping for. And they've got some, you know, they've got some young talent on offense. You know, we know we, we, like Brian Robinson Jr was an interesting story last year with what happened with him in training camp and you know the shooting incident and you kind of started to see what he could be towards the tail end of the season once he got back and kicked it in gear, but uh
1: And McLaurin and Dotson, yeah, especially I mean, they have, those are that's a, Curtis Samuel was hurt a lot last right. year
0: when he's helping. Mean, they have some pieces there, so it'll be curious to see how uh, the enemy brings it all together. All right, we'll do a little bit of baseball on the other side, less about the specifics of last night's Yankee game, but I was kind of just thinking as the rest of this season goes and I know the Yankees are still over 500, but if for some reason things kind of fall apart, we could be staring at something we haven't seen in over 30 years here in New York. so we'll talk about that on the other side. You got Fleelo in the warm-up show, Boomer and Jerry coming up at the top of the
1: hour here on the fan. Add WFAN to your contacts to talk New York sports with us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com.
0: All right, we're back. Fleelo on the fan. Warm-up show to the top of the hour. Boomer and Jerry then. Uh, Karen Stewart just reminded me to check and see if I won uh, Mega Millions last night. If I did, as I pull up the Jackpot app here. Leagues you're taking the rest of the show, and you can do updates as well. Because I'm going to get the hell up on. Yeah, well, here. I'll
1: do the rest of the warm show. But we'll f- I don't <laughs> know who's doing updates. It won't be me. I, I got my nice big comfy chair in there. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> All right, let's see. Account balance zero. So no, it would appear as if uh, I did not win the jackpocket, nor did I win uh, the jackpocket. Look at me, the jackpot. See, I'm thinking Jack oh, thinking I'm like, that, yeah. I didn't you win the Jack Pocket. That was
1: one of those flubs when you said it, it didn't <laughs> yeah. even occur to me. Right, because we're met- so used to hearing right. them talk about and, like, it. Like you had talk to about point out the mistake and really hammer it for it to register with me what you did.
0: Not only did I not win, I had two tickets last night, didn't get a single number. Nothing. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see if, uh, if anyone hit the Jack Pot which was i think north of 1.5 billion we'll find out 5 soon, billion, uh, so. we do
1: the odyssey uh, jackpot lottery recap around that first break like oh, there you 7, go. 15, 7, 20. so 15720 so Jerry will have that, so that for will you.
0: That'll be right around the corner, very good. Uh, before we do a couple baseball things here, something else a couple other things uh football related from Hard Knocks last night. Our own Tiki Barber was uh, featured – featured not featured, but appeared on the episode and uh, the Evan and Tiki Twitter account late last night took like a screen grab of him. Here's Tiki on Hard Knocks looking jacked. And I replied in the wee hours of this morning as I was uh, making my way into work like is jacked, fixed. You know, like the idea that he's not any of us right, that the, work here. The idea that like, it's
1: the trick of the hot, yeah, hard Hard no, Knocks camera. No,
0: that was not some sort of like uh, optical illusion. Right. Man is put together, so there's no doubt about that. You brought up something that I was not uh, privy of or aware of, I and mean, you mentioned this uh, appearance in both One Jet's Drive and Hard Knocks for Method Man, and you had a bit of an issue uh, with something that happened with him.
1: Yeah, this really bothered me, and I w- I would imagine this is going to tick off. Every Jets fan, especially the older ones. And this was in one Jets drive, not hard knocks. So oh, he's was in it? both. He's
0: in both, both but this, this particular okay. scene. Just one is Jets drive
1: in one Got Jets it. drive. So he has a Joe Namath jersey and a Jets hat, and Method Man is talking to Aaron Rodgers. It's cool. They're having a conversation. It's awesome. At the end of it, he asks Aaron Rodgers to sign his Namath jersey. Like sacrilegious. Yeah. Can't that, be doing I, that, that. And again, yeah, I'm somebody who I'm born in the nineties. I never saw a Joe Namath play. He's He's a legend legend to me, but, uh, you know, he could have played in the 60s. He could be, you know, the legend, you you know, you hear about any story from the, uh, you know, any old book, he could be, you know, a Greek hero. It's just so far distant past to me, never saw him play. But even that just like, it just like triggered this Jets fan instinct of like, hey, wait, 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 no, 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 you don't do that. And I would have to imagine like older Jets fans, like I, I would love to know. Joe Beningo's reaction. Oh, I'm sure he hated that. To yeah. Method Man asking Aaron Rodgers to sign his Joe Namath jersey. Now, when again he I, had did
0: he a do white, it? Did they? He, he signed.
1: Rodgers is like, are you sure? Yeah. Like the name it. And Method Man says, yeah, you know, here you go. And he had a white Jets hat. Like he could have just signed the hat. He could have signed any anything else. I'm sure. Listen, he's Method Man. He could have asked them for an Aaron Rodgers jersey, sure. and they would have given it to him. They could have given him the one Rodgers were wearing that day, right. the red practice jersey. You can't have Aaron Rodgers sign a Joe Namath jersey. I agree. Here's what I love about Namath, and this is coming from
0: a non-Jet fan, so I don't know if this is part of why Jet fans continue to love and celebrate beyond the obvious of winning the lone Super Bowl for the franchise. Like Sometimes like this happens with the Dolphins team that was undefeated, right? They're always rooting for They They want to be the only ones that ever have that claim. The Jet thing has become such a like folk- folklore at this point, right? But what I love about Namath, all these years later, older man now, obviously, he is invested in the team year in and year out. He held the man tweets about it. Any interview he gives, it's never like, you know, just about what we did back in there, what I did. Hell, no problem. Rogers wants to wear number 12. I'm all for it. You know, celebrating the fact that he gave up the 35 million bucks, like, He is a Jet fan.
1: Yeah, he's watching every game over all these years, and he was pumping up Sam Darnold when they drafted him. Yeah, he's Mister Positivity, and he's pumped for Aaron Rodgers because he wants to see this team. It's it's just more things out there. Like, come on, the Jets fit. We deserve this. we have our legends. You know, they're not rooting against them because they want Joe. Be the only one one that ever won. Joe Klecko wants to see the Jets win a Super Bowl. Sure, everybody wants to see the Jets win. Come on, please, just give us one. That would be nice, wouldn't Well, one, one more, because I know they had the one, one but one, yeah, that's but too long ago. I wasn't as around Joe, for as Give me one. Well, pointed Joe wants out, one more before he But dies. he's
0: pointed out in recent weeks, that it's a good point, because right, we made such a big deal, well, maybe not we, because we were young, but in this city, and certainly on this radio station at the time... Yeah, the ranger curse 54 years you know 1940 and all that and this is and this they've is gone longer 54. than that now. Well, right. or, uh, or the same it will be 55 yeah. once
1: you hit january right. of yeah next which year. is
0: wild to think about but that's where we're at all right before we run out of time and it's probably better that we only have a couple minutes for this because i'm going to kind of put everybody on the spot here a little bit so the yankees did win last night and they're now i think four games over 500 so good day offense back on track another good start for clark Schmidt. that's all great we are staring at what could be a very uneventful end of the baseball season. We know that the Mets are what they are now post trade deadline. I don't know what to think of the Yankees or where they're going to go in short order here, especially if they're going to continue to have issues with the starting rotation, uh, with Rodon, with Severino, who's they would not even announce a starter for tonight. It's his turn in the rotation, and Boone said post game everything's on the table. But if things should go south, we could be staring at the first year in which the Yankees and then by association both teams finished under 500 right and that was 1992 the yankees were 76 and 86 and the mets were 72 and 90 it's like so the it's,
1: reverse of what we were doing back in may oh when was the last time the three hockey teams and the two basketball teams yes, all made the playoffs which together which was 94 right? right yeah and that was, was the th- only time it ever happened in yeah, all five
0: yeah hard to hard to figure as well i mean
1: the yankees only have since 92 that last losing season which I was an infant. I'm born at the end of 91. Zoo wasn't alive. This is why this could be quick, but go ahead, finish your point. Well, even in that time, they only have six full seasons. So you're throwing out 94, 95, 2020 with fewer than 90 wins.
0: Yeah. I I mean, listen, the run is, there's no overstating it. And that's well, why when
1: people we, go nuts. Why is Cash Well, that's yeah, the Yankee fans years. get accused of being
0: spoiled and all that, which, but this is the, this is the expectation and the standard that they've built. All right. So that aside, so it's been over 30 years, right? So you were an infant, zoo wasn't born. A Couple of Met fans, and now I'm a Yankee fan. I was six at the time in the early stages of living in Northern Virginia. So like, I loved baseball. I was born in Queens. I went to Met games as a kid. My dad had tickets from work. I loved both teams. I loved the players. I collect. I I first started talking, reading names off baseball cards. Like that was that was my thing, right? And but I don't. My memories of specific teams and years and the players that were on the teams, with the Yankees at least, it gets fuzzy pre-95, which understandably so, right? That was really the start of that exceptional run. So right now, with the couple minutes that we have before we take our our, uh, final break at the warm-up show here, I want to see if collectively we can name like, how about five players from each team in 92? The 92 Yankees and the 92 Mets without looking. So I've not looked on our system. Like I, I obviously went and looked at the records for those teams, but you having been an infant zoo, not being born and myself being six, not locked in on the day to day of there was no yes. Network in 1992. I was not watching the Yankees night in and night out, right, especially for living Virginia. In, in Centerville, Virginia. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So do we think we can collectively come up with five, from each roster, obviously we'll check for accuracy. I, I'm gonna
1: say no, we can't. We
0: can't. All right. Well, I let's don't give think it a, so either. All right. Well, let's give it a shot, and I'll help you guys. I'll try to my best to help you guys out. And now, some of these guesses, I, I'm gonna throw out names I know were involved in and around those years. May not be exact, so don't people go nuts? How oh, could you guess that name? Like I'm gonna look for guys that I know were playing in that era and played for either organization, okay. right? So you guys give me nothing on the Mets, not Let's a st- single I, guess. It's,
1: you know, I feel like I can even name more Mets who were there in '91 than '90 90, '92 is hard because this is when. Oh, see, so they you can really go year to year to, then. Again, that's more. I know guys who were there from the tail end, S- stripping it off like yeah,
0: okay, the back end of the right, like right, Doc right. and Darryl era type type
1: deal. Was Sid Fernandez still there? Well, I
0: said, we're gonna we're gonna put our we're gonna submit our five names, and then I'll pull up Baseball Reference, and we'll we'll check ourselves. Okay, is that fair?
1: like did Vince Coleman was he uh, again, with the Mets do you guys have 91? to decide
0: which 5 names we can't say well was he we're going to we're going to check at the end okay. we're not going to go. cuz if i pull up the so roster now you, you're i'm going to see all I'll, the names I'll at least think
1: out loud No no, no, with... no, no
0: yeah, well, i'm not going to pull it up yet we're going to we're going to okay. we're going to decide on our 5 names for each team and then we'll check at the end does that make sense
1: I think that's fair All
0: right so you guys want to do you want to pick either of those as a submission you want to go throw Vince them both Coleman both
1: in there we still got to come up with three more All right
0: okay so you're going with both of those so we got Vince Coleman and Sid Fernandez, okay. Like I would I'm say, trying to remember
1: when when did the Mets get rid of? Was Darling? Darling? No, still Darling, I think was gone. See, I was gonna say was David Cohn on that there? team. So that was that's again, a name. I'm thinking I would... 91 names. Mm-hmm. Let's throw him in there just because. All right, yeah, we're, David Cohn. We're short on other names.
0: How about uh, how about a guy like Mackie Sasser? Is he gone already at that point, or is he there? Like, what do we think? Oh,
1: let's include him. All right, He's, great. Yeah, we'll go
0: with him. Okay, yeah, I thought you guys would be firing out some more met names for me. Now, again,
1: here. I'm trying to th- who was <laughs> they, and like they had you know the the pitcher that lost the 20 something games and McReynolds wasn't
0: there yet. Wasn't there yet? No,
1: he was not. McReynolds he left. Not McReynolds. And came back. McReynolds didn't he?
0: How about Dave Magadan?
1: Mag and I would have guessed we oh uh, was Hojo still there? I think he was there until like All right. 92, 93. So we'll we'll put make that Hojo your last name. Okay.
0: Now on the Yankees side, again fuzzy for me. Like I have names, but I don't know year wise if these got like, like you know, um, Matt Noakes. I think was there was it was the name that comes to mind if I'm uh, not mistaken. Danny Tartable. I'm gonna put him down. Uh, let me see here. I'm trying to think of some pitchers that maybe would have been uh, with them at that point. Obviously, you got Mattingly, right here. Right. So that's a, that's I need two more names and i got let's see here um was ricky
1: gone at this point
0: that's a good one for that for that that time i'm going to i'll include him even though he might have been gone and let's see one more name can i come up with a pitcher that would have been on the 92 yankees
1: hmm you're probably, meanwhile, this is going to destroy our Twitter mentions for of the course. rest of the day. Of course, well, that's,
0: that's the idea. We're we're making fools of ourselves, right? But but we're we're putting it out right, there. Yeah, that would, we'd you're ask an infant. Else. Zoo's not born. I'm six, and you're, living in Virginia, you're six and
1: living right in a right, different part of the country of, yeah. before cable existed. Correct.
0: Well, yeah, cable was well, not like right, the but yes, there were network, no regional right. regional you sports networks. You, right, you didn't have MLB TV. Right. You didn't have that's right. That's right. I'm on the clock here because we got to hit this last break. Who I want my last name to be? Uh, duh, duh, duh. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna go with. Um, was it Alvaro? Was that his first name? Espinoza.
1: Okay. I okay. feel con- I know we got Mattingly. So Well, yeah, that, that was One sort of 10. that
0: was like the free space on the bingo right. card, pretty much. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna pull up the roster during the break, and I will fact check those and with the little time we have left on the other side, we'll see how we did. Fleelo on the fan.
2: It's the dynamic duo of Alan Jerry. The superheroes of WFAN.
1: Hi,
0: right, Fleelo, wrapping it up here quickly. We nailed it with the Mets. Five for five on our names. I even gave you Dave Magan, who was on the team as well. Right, we should
1: we should have had Doc. Do, Do, Doc had was Frankel, there, yes. Yeah, so there were
0: some legit names. Only three with the Yankees. You got Noakes, Danny Tarnival, Don Mattingly. Uh, swinging a miss with Ricky Henderson and uh, Espinosa. A couple guys I should have had there. Pat Kelly, Randy Velarde, who were uh, my mom was a big fan of both guys. Certainly those names. You had a young Bernie Williams in his second year there. Uh, what else? Oh, by the way, and Willie Kevin Randolph Moss. with the Mets, yeah, Kevin Moss. Kevin Moss. Should have had Kevin Moss, Roberto Kelly as well. Uh, so you had some you had some name we did pretty well though. It wasn't and a Anthony total Young embarrassment. Was
1: the uh, pitcher I was thinking about with the ninety one Mets who lost twenty plus games, and in ninety two he was one of the closest with Franco saved kinda, fifteen games. Kind of sums
0: it up where where they right. were at that year. Interesting on the Yankees too, Charlie Hayes on that ninety two team left when elsewhere came back and obviously catches the final out to uh, clinch the ninety six World Series. So a long time ago, 30-plus years, Zoo was just a, what's the word, a, a sparkle in a his a glimmer in the eye of whoever's father, mother, I don't know what like the saying is there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we, but not bad. We we held our own.
1: I would have never guessed we would have gotten 5-for-5 five 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 with for the Mets. 5-for-5 with the Mets. 80% with overall. That's yeah. a WFAN. WFAN-FM. WFAN-FM HD1. New York. Always live on the free Odyssey app.